So we are here today with uh, Hamish Wilson, co-founder at Blue Energy. Hamish, thanks for being here. Uh, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Stelios. And it's great speaking with you. Likewise. So Hamish has a very long career uh, starting in oil and gas and then eventually energy and energy transition. Could you talk to, to us a little bit about uh, yourself and your story so far? Yes, certainly. Uh, my name is Hamish Wilson. I'm a geologist. I started my career with uh, BP and I worked there for 10 years in uh, Alaska, uh, Southeast Asia and in London and started in the North Sea. But then I, I decided to leave and do an MBA. And after that, I started and founded a, a consulting business called Paras. And it ended up consulting a lot to oil exploration, uh, specializing in oil exploration to oil companies. I sold that. And with the proceeds from the sale, I started uh, investing in renewable energy. And I started a, a startup called Minus Seven, focusing on domestic energy in heat pumps and uh, PV. And I've been working that for the last 10 years and also keeping a foot in the oil and gas camp. It's been really interesting looking at the energy industry from the renewable aspect and looking at the oil industry from the outside. It's been quite interesting. From a new renewable energy standpoint, the oil industry is, is the enemy, actually. They're the, they're the bad guys. So knowing a bit about oil companies and knowing a bit about renewable energy, I felt there was a huge opportunity for helping oil companies with the energy transition and demonstrating that there is a business opportunity for them in the energy transition. And as a result of that, I founded uh, Blue Energy with a group of five colleagues. And our objective is to coach oil companies in the energy transition. And that's what we're doing now. That's fantastic. And I guess having been through this journey of oil and gas and then also renewables and green energy, I guess uh, it gives you this competitive advantage of having seen both of those worlds and see how uh, those two worlds can help each other, right? Exactly. Uh, our key competitive advantage is that I've got five colleagues, all of whom have got started their careers in oil and gas and have now had significant experience in renewable energy. So we know both sides So and have deep project experience. We've, we've delivered hydrogen projects. We've delivered the solar projects. We've delivered battery projects. So we know we have a deep experience of both legs of this, both oil companies and renewable energy. We're living in some really interesting times right now. And uh, as uh, Claudia Descalzi, uh, any CEO put it just a few days ago, everybody wants to stay away from uh, volatility and uh, uncertainty. And a lot of the players right now in the in the oil and gas space, they are moving into, in, they are shifting their eyes anyway. Let's say to renewables and uh, you know green energy and potentially uh, away from oil and gas. So based on your experience and having seen both of those worlds, do you think the the answer to volatility and uncertainty is renewables? You know, or what would be the best answer to to that right now? I think it is because undoubtedly. The oil price has been volatile over through, through certainly my career. And investors, I think, have sought that volatility. They like that volatility because they, they, the oil price has shot up and oil companies have made a, a stack of money. However, I sense just now with both volatility and, I think, public perception, that investor sentiment is moving away from the oil industry. There's been a capital flight from oil, the oil industry. However, if you look at volatility and oil price volatility, and if you stick in, if you consider, say, a renewable energy contract, like a, 
if one's investing in wind or in solar, the volatility in power prices is significantly less than that in oil and gas. And so by putting, if you like, a a power or electricity type revenue stream into your portfolio, you fundamentally de-risk the overall portfolio. And in de-risking the portfolio, you uh, effectively reduce your borrowing costs and therefore are more attractive to capital. So a key thesis to our proposition about investing in renewables is we think it will de-risk your portfolio. So yes, I think renewables are not the answer, they're contributing to the answer. Because oil companies, I think the volatility, high oil prices are going to be, they're going to come in the future because of geopolitics. But I think uh, renewables will help oil companies de-risk their portfolios. Yes, so I agree with that statement. And uh, that's a lovely statement, actually, Hamish. Renewables can help de-risk your portfolio. A lot of people more or less understand it, right? Um, I think it's also a matter of, of how, how do you do that. There are many big players, for example, BP, that uh, they are right now selling big chunks of their oil and gas portfolio and they're reinvesting it in energy projects. And uh, most of those really big players, right, they have uh, they have done big PR stunts and they have vowed to do these big shifts and diverse and uh, diverse their their portfolio. But uh, there are there are also many many smaller and medium cap players out there that they see this kind of transition and they might be caught up in the middle, right? Of how can I go about and do it right? Uh, they might see the value, but they don't have the capital to hire really big teams of uh, consultants and experts to help them with this uh, transition. So to all of those smaller and medium cap EP companies that they want to divest and diverse, but potentially do not know how uh, because they don't have the expertise yet, what do you think would be the best strategy for them to start this divesting and diversing journey? Firstly, I don't think this is a is divestment. Uh, We see the renewable energy opportunity as an and, not an all. And we see renewable energy as augmenting and adding to an existing oil and gas portfolio. We see renewable energy as an opportunity to attract more capital into your into your business. As I mentioned earlier, there's been a big capital flight from the industry. By looking at re- alternative energy investments, we think we can put bring new capital into the business. I think a fundamental pre-concept is that We think the oil industry is profoundly advantaged in the low-carbon energy space. They're advantaged through their geography. If you look at many developing countries, oil companies are the leading leading players in town. And so they're well-connected in a whole stack of these developing countries. They're also, oil companies are really good at big capital projects. And so capital project expertise is fundamental to the energy transformation. And lastly, They've got big balance sheets and they know how to manage. They've got balance sheets. Now, we think those like attributes of balance sheet, a capital project expertise, geography and asset give oil companies certain advantages in, in certain renewable energy technologies. And we see this as an ad. So what we would advise doing is having a look at your asset base and your portfolio and look at where you are in geography. Which countries are you operating in? What are the specific within that country resource? What oil resource do they have? What's the economy like? What's the industry like? And in each of those countries, there is a a set of renewable energy technologies, be it solar, wind, the hydrogen-based economies, in which that oil company is advantaged. 
And we think using that advantage and indeed the fact that they're in country, they know the supply chain, they know the energy ministry, they are supremely well placed to help that country with the energy transition. And then in doing that, create an investment case, bring capital to that opportunity. So we think it's a great opportunity for all companies. And it's not a divestment opportunity. It's a new opportunity. One more question that I'm sure uh, it's on the mind of a lot of our, uh, of our listeners is there are you know, many uh, opportunities right now, you know, both in exploration and in production, you know, even in development stages in the oil and gas stage, right? And it's pretty, pretty hard right now to raise money and do any kind of exploration. So based on the thesis that you just described, which is, you know, renewables can actually help de-risk a potential investment case that, that you make. Have you seen potentially any kind of examples that someone might want to invest in a new exploration project, let's say, which is really hard to raise money right now, and by using some renewables in the whole case to actually make it easier for him to raise money about it? Or uh, even if you don't know something about exploration, would you know any other case that using renewables, a case that it would be very hard to raise money for, eventually becomes more de-risked and eventually it went through? Afraid this is early days, Stelios, and what we've not seen is an exploration company explicitly looking to raise capital for an exploration program alongside a renewable energy company, a renewable energy investment. We've not seen that. But what we have seen is companies like Dong, who've now become Orsted, and companies like Iberdrola, who are focusing entirely on renewable energy, their share prices have substantially outperformed oil companies. As, as an analogy, if you invest in renewable energy, it looks like your share price goes up and people want to seek that, cap, want to seek that capital. So by analogy, we uh, suggest that putting a renewable energy uh, revenue stream alongside your oil and gas portfolio will increase your share price and therefore make you more attractive to external investment. But this is a new idea, Stelios. People aren't doing it today. Fantastic, Hamish. I'm very glad listening to, to this conversation right now. And moving on to some technical points, I would like to ask you, so let's say I want to invest in renewables. We know that wind and solar power are the leader right now on the market in renewables. But in your point of view, I'm moving from the oil and gas to renewables. Which technology would be the most promising and profitable? I think it's a really interesting question, uh, Tom, because undoubtedly today, utility scale wind and solar have reached the technical term is grid parity in that the energy prices from wind and solar compete directly with uh, fossil fuels, with gas and uh, uh, electricity generated from, say, gas-fired power stations. In, and you notice in, uh, you, in the UK, uh, in Denmark, wind industry is competing directly with gas power stations. And today, you would not build a gas power station because wind is cheaper. But in, in terms of the energy transition, we need to have alternatives. And the alternative, if you like, energy vector is fundamentally based around hydrogen and the reforming methane into hydrogen and the, the hydrogen derivatives into ammonia, using hydrogen for transport, using hydrogen for, for energy and such like. Now, the problem, and that clearly to make hydrogen low carbon, it has to be accompanied by carbon capture and storage. Carbon capture and storage is a waste disposal problem and it costs. And so for the hygiene economy to work, it does require government intervention and it does require a carbon price and a carbon tax. 
But all the rhetoric I'm hearing from policymakers from the states is that a carbon tax or a carbon price is going to come. And so either you have to bear in mind that your uh, product is going to have to carry the burden of a, high, of a carbon tax or look at saying, actually, I need to take advantage of that carbon tax and take, is there an opportunity for me to create revenue from that through building a CCS capability, carbon capture and storage, building a, a hydrogen capability, then that's probably worth doing. So in answer to your question, the most profitable technologies today are, are wind and solar. They're able to survive without government subsidy. But if and when a carbon tax comes in, then carbon capture, hydrogen, the whole hydrogen economy gets unlocked. And we think oil companies should be taking a certainly a hedge position in carbon capture and hydrogen for the, the eventuality that a carbon tax will come. So it's a bit of both, uh, Tom. So as we can understand as well, these are problems and perhaps we are thinking about energy transition and renewable technologies. These technologies that you just spoke about, like hydrogen or CCS, are we thinking about these only in Europe? Or do you think these technologies can be applied globally? Do you think it makes sense only to be applied in some few specific regions? The whole, the globe has to go, embark on an energy transition to a low carbon economy. I think each country has got a specific resource base uh, and I use resource in its global sense. You've got sunshine, you've got wind, you've got subsurface resource, be it gas or oil or geothermal. I think each country has to design its uh, energy transition journey based on understanding how do I decarbonize that resource base? And you, you can't have you have a look at Iceland and New Zealand and they've got a tremendous geothermal resource. And so the geothermal is leading the way. You look at uh, Saharan Africa with a massive solar resource all the way around Arabia. So uh, into the Middle East is a huge solar resource. And I mentioned the North Sea, which has got a great wind resource. You come down, say, West Africa, and you can't help but note that offshore Senegal and Mauritania, there's a great wind resource. There's a wind opportunity there alongside solar. Yet they've got massive gas, discovered gas resource offshore. And I think the challenge for countries like Senegal and uh, Mauritania, and indeed Mozambique, is how do I monetize that uh, gas in a low carbon way? And that opens up opportunities into uh, hydrogen, ammonia, and carbon capture, because that increasingly these days, LNG is seen as being very carbon intense. And I think consumers are looking to, and when I come back to this idea of a carbon tax, the carbon intensity will come with a price. And it may well be that we should be looking at the hydrogen economy at, at source, that's in Senegal, in Mauritania, in uh, Mozambique. And so we have to do this transition globally. And each country is advances in various different technologies. And I think each has to be looked at on a standalone basis. How does this work in this country? And how does this work in this country, in this economy? And I think the same goes, for example, you go across to Latin America, into Peru, where we've got the gas resource, into Argentina, you've got tight oil uh, and uh, unconventional oil and gas, accompanied with solar and wind opportunities. So each country has a different story about how they can embark on the energy transition. And I think in each country, the oil industry has a leading role to play in helping that country in that energy transition journey. Very nice, Hamish. I really like the fact that you mentioned countries like Peru, Mauritania or Senegal, countries that at Invia we are used 
to be working with. And do you think, you know, in these countries in particular, oil and gas companies and, and existing production there, do you think people are, or some of these companies are already leading that front in these specific regions or more globally? Do you think some IOCs doing it are beginning to move into a, this kind of transition? Outside the majors, very little. And you've seen the public statements from Shell, ENI, Total and BP. BP most particularly are saying it's, as you say in your earlier narrative, actively divesting their oil and gas, reducing their oil and gas portfolios. But beyond that, and then you've seen the uh, American super majors, uh, Chevron, Exxon, who are sort of saying, wait and see. Outside that, I see little movement of the, the mid-caps and the national oil companies in this energy transition. I think many see it as a, as a threat and as a compliance issue. Compliance as in many countries are saying we need to get to zero net carbon. And so how does an oil company comply with the regulations? We, as I think the central theme through my discussion with you guys, is that we see a great opportunity. Oil companies are on site on, on the ground, with production, with facilities, with a supply chain, there is a great revenue and business opportunity for them in, in all the countries and all the geographies in which they operate. And we'd like to encourage them to take, to take up that opportunity, actually. There's, there's, a, there's a business to be made there. Thank you, Amish. That makes sense. And uh, I think it's a very positive note that, yeah, it's not a divestment. It's actually an, a, an addition to everybody's this portfolio and it shouldn't be only you know, in the minds and the portfolio of the majors that uh, even the smaller, you know, players that they're not doing that much right now, they still have a lot of opportunities and they only need to, if I got it correctly, they basically just need to look around at the countries that they are already active and see what kind of energy uh, renewable kind of opportunities are there and then use these opportunities to, to basically uh, enhance and uh, augment their production and portfolio uh, at those countries. So I think it was a very, very positive note. Hamish, I'd really like to thank you for all of those valuable insights uh, and the advice given us today. Thanks a lot for being part of our podcast. Before we close, could you potentially give us some more information if someone would like to hear um, a bit more about you or maybe get a more uh, a specific uh, advice from you? Where, where can they reach you? Well, uh, it's been a great pleasure talking with you, Stelios, and thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Hamish Wilson. I've got a website, which is bblueenergy.com. That's B-E-B-L-U-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. And uh, my telephone number is uh, 07768-355-000. Thank you very much, Hamish. Hoping to have you uh, here at another point uh, very soon as well. Thank you very much indeed.